Happy New Year to everyone out there. Welcome back to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. Today I want to talk about the theology of soundbites. The theology of soundbites. And you've never heard that before. Maybe you have, but I think it's something that I've coined in my spirit as I was praying about this podcast. Listen, division. When you think of the word division, what do you think of? I think of the age-old adage, divide and conquer. I think about that going all the way back to Genesis when the enemy used the lust of the flesh, uh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes to convince Eve that she needed to eat the apple. Of course, she gave it to Adam, who was given the law and was given the mandate by God, and he ate as well. And here we are indulging in what we call the fall of man. But essentially, there was an element of divide and conquer. When Jesus first came into the earth, uh, he was led of the spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights for prayer and fasting. And then the enemy tried to, again, divide and conquer using the word to try to get Jesus to walk contrary to the will of God. Unfortunately, many of us battle between the division in our flesh and our spirit. And we battle regularly on a consistent basis. And because we battle on a consistent basis, we should be very familiar with the fact that none of us is righteous, no, not one. That we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The basis for me talking about this today is that today I see an ongoing onslaught of division. I see division everywhere. I see division over in Palestine, between Palestine and, and Israel, which has been going on for a very long time, Ishmael and Isaac. Uh, I see division, uh, Democrats and Republicans and uh, gender divisions and all kinds of racial divisions and uh, economic divisions. There are all kind of divides that divide people right now. The spirit of division is running rampant through the earth. Because if you want to destroy anything, you have to divide it and conquer it. Divide it and conquer it. You've heard the age-old adage where there's unity, there's strength. But there can be no unity when we don't understand the full mandate of what it means to be in the body of Christ. Many people are using sound bites. I would talk about soundbite theology. They get sound bites from various uh, preachers, from various uh, commentators. Some of the commentators, I, I look at them and I know the basis of the particular uh, broadcast as, as a Christian broadcast. But then I ask myself, is that even a Christian commentator? And how do we use him to devalue someone within the context of the body of Christ? What am I saying? You can't just put things together and then make them say what they want to say, even if that's not your intent and your own purpose. We have to understand something that many thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people are churned up in this cyclone. Let me just say this. Hundreds of thousands of people get messed up daily because they hear things that is over their hearing. There's hear things that they cannot discern. 
They see things they do not understand. They are led by the many voices that are in, in the earth. None of these voices are without significance. But whose voices are they? See, if I'm going to look at someone and point to their shortcomings of their fallen nature, then I have to be prepared for that to come back to me. Because at the end of the day, there are private sins and there are public sins, but you and I have never seen anyone just get up on the radio or get up on any digital platform and say, hey, my name is such and such and I just sinned last night. No, they want to have the privilege of privacy. They want to be able to repent. They want to be able to get it right with God. God gives us an opportunity to get ourselves right with him before there's any public exposure. But when there is public exposure to one who's in the body of Christ, there's a mandate for all of us who know God and want to maintain the continuity of the body of Christ and maintain the pipeline for those who want to get saved, who will listen to some of this kind of stuff and be turned out and only have a piece of the story, a part of the story, a soundbite. And they'll use this soundbite to determine a person's theology and determine who they are. Now, if you're going to go and do a full-blown research and you determine that that is, in fact, true, then so be it. But if you're just getting a soundbite and just listening to a piece of this and a piece of that, and somebody said this and somebody said this, then we're in a world of trouble. Because even in a court of law, that's not admissible. That's hearsay. He said this. She said that. Can you prove it? No. Did you see it? No. Do you have anybody who can validate at least two people who can validate what you're saying? No. Well, now it becomes the circumstantial evidence. So at any rate, let me read something to you that will help us. And it helped me. And I want it to help you because I want us to develop balance, balance. We cannot tear each other down in front of the world and expect the world to respect our God. We cannot tear each other down in front of the world and expect the world to respect our God. And if we're going to do that, then we should do it privately before we do it publicly to make sure that we actually know 100% that we know what we're talking about. So here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help the person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of the job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Let me say that again, and I think that's critical. A matter of fact, this entire verse four, uh, verse four and five, I'm sorry, coming from Galatians chapter six, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction. What is God calling you to do? Here's what I'm saying. If God is calling you to point out other folks' faults and to 
blast people in public forums, that's between you and God. But make sure it's God. Make sure you're not doing something in the flesh. Make sure you're not trying to promote ratings. Make sure that what you're doing is godly. In other words, it's been mandated by God that you should do this. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right for everybody else to do it. You have to know what your calling is. You have to know what God is calling you to do. And remember that when you know what God is calling you to do, stay in your lane and remember the cross and pray for our brothers and sisters who may have the misfortune of falling because that's what you would want done for you if you fell publicly. Number five, verse five, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. And I believe this. I believe that God deals with each of us individually. God puts pastors in positions. God takes pastors out of position. That's God's role. I've always believed that. I believe that we touch not God's anointed, nor do his prophets any harm. I've always believed that. And I've always lived in a manner consistent with a couple of things. But I want to start with Jesus, just with Jesus very quickly. Jesus in uh, John chapter 8. And this is something that really helps me to live a balanced life. And to remember, you know, the saying, if not for the grace of God, there go I. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, Jesus spent time with the Father. Our perspective changes. Let me say this very clearly. Our perspective changes when we spend time with the Father. I was recently dealing with something the other day. And as I spent time with the Father, He changed my attitude and my heart about the particular situation and had me to deal with it through the eyes of compassion, through the eyes of mercy, through the eyes of grace, through the eyes of love, through the eyes of hope, hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the love of God being the source of who we are. When you're with the Father, it will change the way you think. Spend time with God. Spend time in his word. So Jesus has spent time. He goes early in the morning. I'm going to skip some things. Verse 2, gets up early in the morning, goes to the temple. He's having a Bible study. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, right in the center of him, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. That's something that we got to get right there. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. The devil was looking for something to accuse Jesus. And the enemy is going to and fro looking for something that he can accuse us of. I am sure that with the use of deep fakes... With the use of AI, with the use of voice modifications, with sound and technology, that by virtue of taking any digital platform, that it can be altered, it can be misused, it can be cut, and then 
spoken about in such a way without context. There's no front. There's no back. We don't know what was said before. We don't know what was said after. We don't have any sound. We don't know what's going on. We have no idea what's happening except the commentary of those who are making accusations. Be careful with that. There are always three sides to every story. It's his side, their side, and the truth. Remember that. Always three sides. So back to the scripture. So they were looking for something to accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. If you don't have any sin, go ahead, throw the stone, fulfill the law. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, because all of us know, all of us know, no one is righteous. No, not one. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all do. And if any man says he has no sin, he lies and the truth is not in him. So we have to be very careful when we participate in the stoning of each other. Because it doesn't just destroy that person. It destroys hundreds of thousands of people that are connected to those people. If you want to write a letter, write a letter. You want to say something, hey brother, check yourself. There are ways to reach people nowadays. But be careful how we treat each other publicly in front of non-believers and folk we've never seen before. Because people are in different places in Christ. And the last thing we want to do is show them something that we feel is correcting and helping people. But yet destroying the fabric of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And And that's just... Or... Destroying the fact that they wanted to come to Jesus Christ. But they see the church as as some outlander. As some wild beast of sorts. That cannot be controlled. Well the flesh is a wild beast. And it can't be controlled. Unless put under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. Every day we all have to fight to put that flesh under the subjection of the Holy Spirit. And so... The conscience of the Pharisees and Sadducees was pricked, and one by one they left, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And I know you would say, well, the woman at the well, she was a sinner. True that. But does not the sinner and the believer as well deserve mercy? Do they not need to be looked at out of the eyes of compassion, out of the eyes of Jesus? Yeah, sometimes we know better and we do stupid stuff. All of us, if you haven't done anything stupid, live long enough. Stay safe long enough. 
believe long enough, you'll do something stupid. It's just inevitable because we were born and shaped in iniquity. But thank be to God for the grace of Almighty God. Thanks for the mercy of God. Thank you for the forbearance of God. Thank you for the mercy of God. Thank you for the fresh mercies at our doorstep every day. Thank you for the compassion, for with the same compassion that I showed you, you must show to other people. And ye who are spiritual, restore such a one, lest you should fall. We have to be careful. Noah was anointed. And in the ninth chapter of Noah, around verse 21, 22, 23, somewhere in there, Noah drank of the wine from his vineyard. Noah got drunk. His son Ham came into the tent where Noah was, and he went out and told his brothers. His two brothers, Shem and Japheth, grabbed the garment. They walked backwards into the tent. They did not want to see their father's nakedness. They covered him. When he came to his senses in the day, he cursed Ham for his mouth and just his desire to publicly display the nakedness of his father. And he blessed Japheth and Shem and told them that Ham would be their slave all of their lives. So just remember, just remember when you have a chance to cover someone's nakedness, when you have a chance to give people another chance, when you have a chance to show mercy, to show love, to show compassion, God will take down his people. Those of us who are pastors, teachers, preachers, bishops, apostles, whatever name or title that we have. Everybody has a day where they have to stand before God on the judgment day and give an account of the deeds done in their body, whether good or bad. So we don't have to worry about anybody getting away with anything. One thing I know about being in the body of Christ, you don't get away with anything. And of these things that are happening to some of these people are, in fact, judgments of God, then so be it. But if you're not on that judgment council, if you haven't been given that Nathanic uh, anointing or mantle when he confronted David, keep your mouth shut, mind your business, and pray. You have been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast. I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and that you will go and be a positive, godly influence in the world. God bless.